Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Allison Blad on with us. She is a registered nutritional therapist and beauty therapist living in the wilds of Sweden after falling for the charms of a Viking man. Having worked in the health and wellness industry for over 30 years, specializing in menopausal women's health, she now runs her own online clinic, helping women worldwide manage their negative symptoms of menopause. So welcome to the show, Allison. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's lovely to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. So I would love to know first, you know, a little background on how you got interested in the wellness space. How did that kind of come to be? Um, I know everyone's kind of has their own journey into there. So I would love to hear, you know, what your journey was. Yeah. I mean, my journey actually started when I was very young because I, I was lucky enough to be brought up on a, a farm in the South of England uh, so from a really young age as a kid, I was out running around with donkeys and goats and sheep and everything. And my mother was a professional chef. So so from a very young age, as soon as I could walk, really, I was in the kitchen with her, you know, helping her cook and watching her cook. So my love of food began there really from a young age. And then fast forward a, a little bit, I um, first trained as a beauty therapist because what during my teenage years I had very bad skin I had uh, acne uh, you know the puberty the typical puberty skin um, and I didn't really get the help that I needed and I didn't really understand what was going on with my skin and my hormones and everything so when I was a bit older I decided to train as a beauty therapist and working with women um, that had skin problems and I was very interested in perimenopausal and menopausal women because you can actually get acne in, in that later stage of life as well. It's not just in puberty. And these ladies that were developing these problems in, later in life, they were just distraught like, like you would be. You don't expect to suddenly get acne when you're 45. So I very much concentrated on, on specialised in helping these ladies. And there was always this piece missing and it was the nutrition mm -hmm. because a lot of clients, as soon as they changed, you know, with the beauty therapy treatments that obviously helped, but there was always, you know, you just wanted that little bit extra. And as soon as they changed their nutrition and lifestyle, you know, their skin improved a hundred percent. So then I went back and trained to be, uh, went back to university and trained to be a nutritional therapist. So, you know, I predominantly work with the nutritional therapy side now, but it, the skin side does come in because it's all linked, isn't it? It's all, all linked together. So now I have my own um, clinic where I, I specialize in, in women's health. I like to say I help women get by their sparkle. Mm, we all, we all like a bit of sparkle, don't we? <laughs> yes. Um, well, my first question, what is a beauty therapist? Like what, what is that? What is that? Yeah, a beauty therapist, it can be called esthetician, maybe. Okay. Her. Yes, yes, yes. So you you basically specialize in the skin. Okay. Uh, you know, you really st study the skin very in, in depth and, and know everything about the skin and all the body systems and everything. So you work on improving skin conditions. You work with muscles and, and you know, what people have more from you do work on the inside as well, but it, it's more, you know, the, the outer layer, the, the skin layer, helping people to feel and look better. I love that. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure, cause I'm sure if I'm figure people listening might also have the same question. Yes. Like, oh, okay, what is that? <laughs> so I want to kind of go down this journey and starting with, um, you know, cause I have people in my audience, all ages. So I kind of want to hit that spectrum. So if people yes. are listening, um, you know, like my, myself as well, 
what is something people can do in their menstruating years to maybe help them set up for a better menopausal years? So what are some things that maybe people can do now to help ease into that perimenopause and menopausal years? Yeah, great question. Because I mean, it's all about prevention, isn't it? If you can go into perimenopause in good health, you know, it's actually been shown in studies. If you're in a good condition, when you start going into perimenopause, you get through it better. You still, you have less symptoms and, and everything. Obviously it's very, it is very individual for women. Everyone experiences differently, but some of the things that you can do is re it's really, I know this sounds quite basic, but just look after yourself, mm. you know, think about what you're doing every day with your lifestyle and your nutrition and, and really take care of your body. You know, gut health is, I know everybody talks about gut health, but it is so key and it's so key to menopausal health and, you know, health in general. Because what happens when the estrogen levels start to decline you know, estrogen is very important for the integrity of the gut. So you can start getting, you know, things like constipation. You can start feeling bloated and having digestion problems. So really having in your daily routine some fermented foods, a little bit of kimchi, maybe sauerkraut, fermented vegetables, you know, just little, just every day. It doesn't have to be a lot, but just a little. It really helps with the, to keep the gut bacteria you know in good form and also another key thing to think about going into perimenopause or what, what you can do now is you know weight management really try to keep a, a, a good weight for your for your height because it's also been shown in studies that if you if you're carrying extra weight as you go into perimenopause you tend to suffer more from the symptoms such as hot flushes you know you, you've a whole other conversation is bone health during perimenopause and menopause. And if you're carrying more weight, that can also be detrimental for your bone health in this time period. Mm. Drinking water, something as simple as drinking water. If you drink water every day, you know, you hydrate your body, you, you stay more focused. It's, it's, it's actually very simple things that you do, but it's the whole thing, isn't it? It's not just do that. You know, you've got to look at all the, lifestyle aspects and the nutritional aspects and and mindset as well really trying to keep a positive positive mind but one thing that I think is really important that I would love women to do that you know younger women that aren't yet in that time period is is understand what perimenopause and menopause is mm. that was I my next I, question I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes we so still, I would love I mean, to talk about like perimenopause because that's a term that um, I know has been kind of popping up as of recent. And I think that is something that people might be like, what even is that? So can we start there and like, what is perimenopause? Absolutely. And it, it's so, you know, getting the knowledge and understanding it, because then when you when you start to go into perimenopause and you maybe have a few symptoms, then you'll think, ah, this is perimenopause rather than thinking it's just to do with your stressful lifestyle etc mm. uh, but perimenopause is um you you have different stages of, of menopause and perimenopause is the first stage and this on average starts at the age of 45 it, it is very different you can start earlier or later but on average 45 and this is where you're still menstruating but your hormones are starting to kind of it's a bit like a roller coaster. You know, your estrogen can be down and up and all over this place and the progesterone. It's 
it's all a bit like crazy. You're still producing these hormones, but they're not like, you know, on, a, on an even level like they should be when, you, when you're younger. And this can trigger off many symptoms and, and think, you know, mood swings is, is quite common in this time. And, it, and, you know, one of the reasons is because all these hormones going crazy all over the place uh, sets off some of these symptoms. Um, things like irritability, hot flushes, weight gain. You know, there's the, the list is very, very long of the different symptoms because it is very individual for everybody. So that's your perimenopause. And that can go on for roughly about five to six years on, on average. And once you've gone through that uh, period and your levels, your estrogen levels start to decline, when you haven't had a period for, for a year, you are then in menopause. So even if you don't menstruate for eight months, but then you have a period, you're still in perimenopause. So you have to have gone a whole year without any menstruation to be then in menopause. And then the whole time after that is what we call postmenopause. So that is where you, your body or you still do produce a small amount of estrogen from, from your adrenal glands, but your body, you know, you're not fertile anymore. Your, your estrogen and, and hormone levels have declined uh, to a level where, you know, you're in postmenopause. And when we think about perimenopause, menopause, um, you know, it's common for people to have those symptoms, but it doesn't have to happen. Um, is that something that you've seen as well? Cause I know my mom, she was like, yeah, I had no issues. And she went through a late menopause. Cause she's like, oh yeah. Like hers was 60 before she finally 60 or 62, very late. So I was like, oh goodness. All right. So buckle up. This is many more years ahead of me. So, you know, like she was like, yeah, I had no, none of those issues. And she's like, I don't necessarily know why, um, you know, and my mom definitely does not have the healthiest of diets. So I'm just like, I, that's amazing. So can you chat about a little bit about that? Cause I think people sometimes get thinking like the night sweats, all of this has to happen. Um, you know, can you chat why maybe it doesn't? Yeah, absolutely. Because it doesn't, it's so individual, you know, like you say, like your, your mother, I mean, 60, that, that's amazing. Cause that is actually quite, quite late. Um, but we're all very individual and, you know, some poor ladies have a really tough time with it. And then some women like your mother just glide through it and don't really have a, a symptom whatsoever. And, and it's, that is just down to our individual bodies. I mean, there isn't really one reason why that happens. It's like, you know, with our health in general, it is very individual, isn't it? Totally. It's, it's just the way it is that there is really no answer to that question. It's just so individual down to the, the woman. But as we were saying, it does tend to help if you go into this perimenopause in a healthier state. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think your mom, well, your mom sounds like she was very lucky. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, okay, great. Hopefully I have those genes. Jeez. <laughs> so another common complaint um, is sleep. So, you know, can you chat a little bit about sleep? And um, I know, especially from the past few years, like sleep has been interrupted for many people. And especially in that perimenopause, menopausal phase, I've had many people are like, oh, I'm waking up night sweats and all of the, the fun things that can come, you know, with that time. So can you chat a little about like, what are some sleep routines or ideas to help maybe, you know, have that be a better time. So maybe, cause sometimes people are going in dreading the nights, you know, cause like I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and then they go in dreading going to bed. And then that's just a whole nother cycle. Yeah. 
sleep is is so key to everything as well and you know if you if you're not getting enough sleep it just it's like a vicious circle isn't it because it just affects everything else in the day and in your health in general you crave carbohydrates so you eat more so you maybe put weight on it's it's crucial sleep is so crucial for everything and as you say it can be very very tricky during perimenopause and menopause and some poor women really really suffer um what i would say that the things that you need to think about with sleep is one key thing is stress management because if you're in this real stress cycle and you're producing the stress hormone which we, which we call cortisol uh, that just keeps you awake and keeps you stimulated so you really need to put into place what like a good sleep hygiene routine in the evenings and you know I understand that it has to be realistic because we're all busy you can't suddenly say to someone oh you've got to start doing this two hours before you go to bed but one thing that's also been shown in studies is that really switching off like you know not watching the television not playing with your phone and, and you know really just doing something relaxing even if it's just for 30 minutes before you go to bed such as deep breathing. Breathing exercises have been shown to really help reduce hot flushes if you do them daily. So really doing something that you enjoy that's calming before you go to bed, avoiding any bright lights uh, that will stimulate you and wake you up and, and stop your body producing sleep hormones, uh, the melatonin. Yeah, yeah those are great ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also things like, you know, there's there's some wonderful things for hot flushes at night. You can um, I know a friend of mine that's really suffering from she's got one of these um, like they're, they're called like ice blankets. It's, it's obviously not ice, but it's like a blanket that you can buy that is chilled hmm. that, that you can have over you. And also um, pillows that are cooler. They're made of some sort of material that the cooler just makes you more comfortable in, in the evenings and, and thinking about what you eat as well before you go to bed, you know, not coffee, no like caffeine uh, products, nothing with sugar in just everything should, should be very calm. And, and also, again, getting help. You know, you don't have to suffer with sleep. Talk to a professional, go and see a, a menopausal doctor, maybe hormone replacement can help you know don't be afraid to ask for help yeah I think that's huge and I mean just having that uh assistance because I think sometimes we're afraid to ask for the help or like just to say okay yeah can you help me um but knowing that there are options out there I think is is huge um you had chatted about nutrition I think that's something else that I want to kind of circle around because I think that's a huge part about like what should we be eating you know at this time um, what is your kind of nutrition philosophy and, you know, how do you kind of help people find their balance? Yeah, I mean, I, I do actually work very individually with my, my clients and everybody's needs are different. But, you know, if, if we're talking in general, uh, more of what, what I would call a Mediterranean style diet, avoid processed foods, what we call the standard American diet, which is just basically processed foods and sugar you know, that you really want to try and avoid because it just makes everything worse. So Mediterranean style diet. So things like uh, beans, vegetables, fruits, uh, all your lovely healthy fats like olive oil, avocados, nuts and seeds, 
you know, the oils and, and fats are very important for hormonal health. We really need those um, fats and fats. Even the word fat's got quite a bad rap, hasn't it? As soon as you say that to somebody, they're like, oh, I'm going to put weight on. But I mean, that isn't true. If you eat the healthy fats that haven't been interfered with, your body just thrives off foods like that. Fish, uh, a Mediterranean style diet doesn't, it, you do eat meat, but in very small uh, quantities. It's more fish, white poultry, um, you know, and all the lovely legumes and, and, and vegetables and, and things. So that's really the diet. But obviously, if I'm working with clients individually, I would go way more into what they specifically need, depending on, on what their problems are. Hmm. What about the menopausal bloat and like just bloating in general? Is there any tips there for people? Yeah, that that is very common. I a lot of my clients suffer from bloating. It can be so uncomfortable. You know, you, your clothes are so tight and it's very uncomfortable. That one of the key areas for that is the microbiome, the, the gut bacteria, because the, there's many reasons why you have bloating. But one of the key areas there that tends to keep coming up with people when they've got bloating is you know, there's an imbalance, what we call dysbiosis is an imbalance in the gut bacteria. So you really need to get that back in order. And, and you can do that by working with a professional, but thinking about what you eat. So eating your, there's the probiotics, which is the actual food that contains the, the good bacteria that you want. And then there's the prebiotics, which is kind of, it's like a bit like, um, feeding your garden the prebiotics feed the bacteria they they like that so it keeps them uh, happy and, and probiotics is is more of your like fermented things like um, kimchi and sauerkraut and all the fermented vegetables your prebiotics that's really what is fiber mm. you know so things like asparagus and all your green leafy vegetables and and things like that so I always try to say eat a rainbow of colors try and see how many different fruit and vegetables you can eat that are different colored in a week have like a challenge of eating 30 different fruit and vegetables uh, of different colors in a week and it sounds difficult but it actually isn't mm, do a nice little stir fry Got lots yeah, of exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have and so in Ayurveda we always tell people like to cook their vegetables because it's easier to digest do you have any um tips around like that or uh I know this is totally I mean Ayurvedic thing and not all western or you know people agree with that but that's how I always see for most of my people if they're struggling with constipation or even with bloating just certain foods might trigger that um have you noticed anything like that in your practice yeah, they, it can be. I'm not saying it's for, for all uh, clients, but some of the what we call the fermentable sugars. So so some uh, products there is actually called FODMAPs. Mm -hmm. and they're, they're, um, it, it's a, a quite a wide range of products um, that can cause fermentation in the intestines and that can lead to bloating. Um and it's things like, I mean, it's, it's a huge list. It's quite random things. There's a lot of uh, like pears and, and, and different sorts of vegetables and fruits. But you that isn't because these products are, are wonderful to eat. So it's not if you're going to eliminate them from your diet, you really need to work with a nutritional therapist because it's not something that you should be on for forever. You kind of eliminate them over a 
three to four week period and then you reintroduce them and you introduce them one at a time and you can see the reaction that you get. So then you can maybe say, okay, I can't eat pears, for example, because that really caused my bloating. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a really big thing, actually. Fermentable sugars can really cause uh, bloating. But a lot of the time people, you know, stress as well. It's not always to do with nutrition. Stress can really set off uh, digestive issues and bloating and eating too quickly. And if you're eating when you're stressed, you will not digest the food. Because basically your digestion shuts down when you're stressed. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that Ayurveda also is. They look highly at that. Like not only what you're eating, but how you're eating. If you're, you know, standing up and you're just kind of like shoving food in your face just to kind of get it done. And you're not actually digesting it, which, you know, can lead to that constipation. It can lead to gut issues. Cause you're not just, you're not focused on what you're eating. And that's also why I tell people not to, you know, sit at their desk and eat because you're trying to work, but then you're also trying to digest. So your body's not able to process what's going on. Cause it can only focus on one thing. So those are little things that, um, I mean, they're little, they're small, simple things, but they make that big difference that sometimes we don't, we don't think those little things, you know, like you had said earlier, this can seem really tiny, but they make huge differences. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fascinating really how something so little can make such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my teachers was saying she had someone just stop using an insulated water bottle with ice cold water because it was, we call it Agni, your digestive fires, and it was dampening out her digestive fire that little switch made the huge difference. I mean, and again, it's something so basic that you're like this, you know, I'm eating everything I should be. It's just the water is ice cold and I shouldn't be having that, you know, little things. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be complicated, does it? I mean, there's so many things that you can do for your health that make a huge impact. And, you know, I think we're all very worried aren't we we're all very stressed and don't have time and that we always assume that if if someone's going to say oh I'm going to improve your health it has to be very complicated but it actually doesn't yeah I think that's a that's a great point to you know speak on especially with the work that you do as well um that thing you know like the complicated because sometimes people don't want to help have help because they think it is going to be an overhaul of everything um so can you talk about like just little things like that, that you might do to, you know, help people without necessarily needing to overhaul or take hours and hours and weeks and weeks to kind of, you know, get this new habit formed. Mm. And I mean, the majority of clients that I work with are time poor, stressed women. So the last thing they need is me coming in and saying, okay, I want you to do an hour's yoga a day and I want you to meditate and you have to change your whole nutritional plan. I mean, it just, it just wouldn't happen. So what I find that people like and works well is doing like swaps. So Mm -hmm. saying to someone, you know, okay, for example, if they were having a piece of white bread with jam on toast in the morning, okay, you have that in the morning, let's swap that. Let's have a piece of wholemeal bread with some nut butter on instead. You know, you have to take small steps. You can't all of a sudden say, I want you to start eating like poached eggs with avocado. You, you, you can move on to that, but it takes it takes a while. So do just swapping out foods. If, if someone snacks a lot, maybe on just like biscuits or, or things, just say, OK, have some carrot sticks instead. Just chop up some vegetables and have them with you and have a bit of hummus or some sort of dip instead. So really swapping out things and, and water intake, telling them to put, you know, in the fridge in the morning, have a, a, 
a jug with two liters of water in and then you can actually see how much you're drinking you know if you don't like water or you find it boring have a have a bit a bit of fruit in it have a frozen strawberry or, or something in you know really and and then lifestyle wise just doing something for five minutes for yourself a day even if it's just sitting down and having a cup of tea or just breathing for five minutes you know it's just small steps make give big results I love that I love all those those little tips that I mean again they go a long way um Mm. you know I know you've been in the you know wellness industry for a while I would love to you know have you share some of maybe the biggest mistakes that you've seen or trends that you've seen that maybe weren't helpful. Like you had talked about the fat. And I remember, I mean, when I was growing up, I think it was like the early nineties is when that low fat trend and diets became popular. So what have you seen kind of through the years that you're like, oh yeah, that was detrimental. And that was not a great idea. Cause we're still kind of getting out of that. Like, no fat is actually good for you. We're still fighting that like 30 years later. Yeah. And, and that, I think that probably is one of the, in, in my lifetime, you know, it's just, I mean, if you look at the obesity rates and, and you know, you can see when, when all that started in the 70s and we, we stopped eating fat and we just went over to like low fat products with high sugar. You can see on graphs and statistics, it's just the obesity rates have shot up. I think there's so much disinformation, isn't there, out there? And I mean, everything that I talk about is evidence-based. You know, I don't talk about anything unless it's been proven in, in a study. Um, but I think what I've seen in my career is that is a huge one is the, you know, no, low fat. That's that's really uh, detrimental to people. But I think things as well, like, you know, all these like manic diets is coming into view now. We're starting to understand, really, that dieting does not work. You know, you of course, if you if you decrease, if you eat less calories, in whatever form you decide to do it, and you you will lose weight initially, but they're not sustainable. So I think some, I mean, I remember the, um, all the shakes that people used to, you, you had like two shakes a day, didn't you? And then you could have a meal in the evening. And I mean, of course you would lose weight, but these poor ladies would stay on this virtual starvation diet. And then when they came off it and started eating normally again, you know, they put on weight and, and, most of them put on even more weight than they had in the beginning of it. So I think we have to get out of the mindset of dieting and, and restriction. We just want to eat a, a nice nutritional dense diet and get rid of all the processed poisonous food that we're eating that all the shelves in all the shops are stocked with. I mean, I could get really passionate about that. I mean, we know that we shouldn't be eating those things, but why do we carry on eating them? I mean, a lot of the diet foods that I remember, because my mom dieted many different diets throughout the day. And I'm like, these are disgusting. Like her like healthy cookies that she would have, like, you know, your fig Newtons. She's like, well, this is a healthy cookie. And I'm like, oh, and then like other just stuff that was in a package that were, I mean, it was gross and hard as a rock. And, you know, most of the time she didn't eat them and they would sit in the box because she would try it once and be like, well, that was disgusting. And that's where we're I think, you know, as you were saying, like we're pulled away from real food. Like we're getting, you know, the shipment of box of like packaged food, prepared food that is like hard. You have to heat it in the microwave if at all. 
And that is not real food. You know, if it's been sitting there and it can sit in that box for years and still be good to eat in a couple of years, that's kind of a red flag. Yeah, totally. I mean, we should be eating whole foods. I, I tried to say to my clients, if, you know, if what you buy in the shop has more than in an ideal world, you just want everything with one ingredient, but that's maybe a bit unrealistic. But, you know, if it's got a huge big list of ingredients on the back, don't buy it. You know, whole foods, you know, whole chicken, vegetables, everything, you know, don't buy things that have big lists of ingredients. Because, I mean, all the nutrition has, has basically been taken out of those products. There's no fiber or anything left. It's, it's, it's just totally refined and processed. So it is not nutritious and, and beneficial for the body. If you had to give people in their 20s and 30s like a, a tip for optimizing their hormonal health, um, what is something that people maybe, you know, should tap into at that age where that will help them, you know, as they enter that perimenopause, menopausal years? Uh, I would say there's a few things. I would say as going back, gut health key, look after your gut. Um, exercise. Exercise actually has a, a huge impact on gut health. People mm. don't realize that, but it does. Even the microbiome uh, is affected by exercise. So, so just keep keeping yourself fit um, and cutting down on sugar. Be, I think you just you have to be mindful of what you eat. You know, not only cutting out processed foods. But thinking about what you drink as well, it's very easy that we drink our sugar. Uh, you know, for some reason, we don't always think, you know, you think of what you're eating, the food you're eating. But when you're actually drinking things for some a lot of people don't really count that in, you know, their nutritional days intake. So don't drink your sugar like all the fizzy drinks and energy drinks and, and things like that. I think the what I've noticed in Europe is that it's more of the younger generation that tend to drink those energy drinks. Mm. And they really don't, they really, from a nutritional therapy point of view, that they, they, they don't really do any benefits to your gut or, or your health in, in general. It's actually quite interesting in Norway, France and Denmark, some of the like well-known energy drink brands are actually banned because they're worried about the they don't they're worried about what the the effect the ingredients have has on the human body so that really says it all yeah my brother my little brother he's a he drives um semi trucks and you know he would drink those just to stay awake sometimes and i don't know if he had two in one day and he stopped after this experience but he was like my heart was racing like uh, like it was just, he goes, my body was just like, oh my gosh, I couldn't, he couldn't calm down. And he's like, I'm not even sure if I should drive this truck right now. Cause he was just so jumpy, um, after having a couple. And I, it wasn't even like back to back. I think it was throughout the day. Like it wasn't, you know, like an hour later he had one, it was like one in the morning, one in the evening, and it still really affected his body. And so my mom was like, yeah, he just kind of was like, no more. I don't want to take those anymore. Cause he didn't like what it did to him. And just kind of noticing like that effect plus his gut health is been bad since he was a baby. And so I'm sure that probably didn't help things, but like just noticing those effects of, and not choosing to do it again, just knowing like, okay, yeah, that was my body saying, this is not for me. Now that's quite scary, isn't it as well? I mean, that, that's quite frightening, but yeah, so definitely I've, I've, there's nothing I personally would recommend that people drink. <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you think about the so the like the LaCroix or the you know the sparkled water or the do you guys have those in Sweden yeah too? Th- do you mean like um we don't actually have LaCroix I don't think that maybe that is not I haven't seen it in Sweden it's might it could be in Europe but it, that's just like a, it's like a sparkling water yeah with like some flavors okay but does it have sugar in it no know? sugar no artificial I mean this is where I so I like them in the summer every once in a while but I also am like I how do you get the flavor if there's no artificial anything you know so I'm a little skeptical of how they're packaging it um but I still like it like that's kind of like my treat in the summer in the afternoon because it's hot um and that's I try not to like do more than you know one every other day or so but that is always my skeptical but so it's interesting that you don't even know what those are so I'm also thinking yeah, but I okay think we have we have similar we've we've okay. got sparkling water with flavoring you know different fruit flavoring and it's it's a similar thing isn't it and I was exactly you took the words out of my mouth I, my first thing was mm, okay well that where's that flavoring come from that must be something synthetic or some sort of uh and I think sparkling water, there's nothing wrong with sparkling water, but in moderation, because going back to bloating and and stomach, you know, if you've got digestive or stomach issues, I would avoid drinking too much sparkling water just because it can make it can just make you feel a bit gassy, a bit bloated. Yes. And, you know, instead of buying the, the drinks that have got the flavors in, you can actually put, you know, herbs fresh herbs um, fruits in in a glass of water just to make it a bit more fun you know you can actually free if you use frozen fruits you know Mm. instead of ice and it also gives it a bit of taste I think like lemon I love citrus fruits in just a glass of water to make it taste a bit better yeah that's a great idea I'll have to try that throw some frozen strawberries in there or blueberries that's yeah any any fruit (laughs) yeah way better I'm I'm gonna try that this summer so thank you for that idea it also looks really it also looks really nice (laughs) yes okay I'm gonna do that uh all right well I would love to know you know where can people connect with you at um you know your website or anything that you have going on yeah I think the, the best place I mean I am quite active on social media but the best place to contact me is on, on my website which is www.alisonblad that's b-l-a-d-h.com and on my website I have a, a resources page and on that page there's loads of uh, really lovely downloads there's a Mediterranean style diet uh, meal plan and get back your sparkle you know that there's lots of different things there that you can download if, if you want to so give you advice and some ideas on what you should be eating perfect well I will make sure I link that in the show notes well I just have one final question and I always like to to ask the guests to throw out a little weekly challenge to the listeners so what would you like that challenge for everyone to be this week well, I, the, the, as I said earlier, I, I'm very much into sparkle. I think, you know, women, especially when we get into perimenopause and menopause, that, you know, we all like a bit of sparkle. So I actually have uh, a sparkle code. So what I said, what I'd like your listeners to, to think of, you know, this week is trying to just implement maybe one or two of these things in the sparkle code, because it's, it's not difficult, but I understand it takes time. But if I do just go through it now, because it's it's the spice, obviously the letters of sparkle. So the S stands for stress management. 
just taking time, five minutes a day, even if it's just breathing to help relieve stress. Put yourself first, in, in other words. Um, yeah, so that was, sorry, that was P, put yourself first. Have self-compassion and really just be nice to yourself during this time period of perimenopause and menopause and understand that the, the to-do list is never going to be done. So if you're waiting for that list to be done, you're going to be waiting forever. So put yourself first and do something for yourself. Take care of yourself. A is avoid processed foods and sugary drinks. R is rest and sleep. Take care of yourself and try to sleep and rest more, even if you just go to bed half an hour earlier. 20 minutes earlier even. Try that for a couple of nights and see, see how you feel. K is knowledge. Knowledge is power. Gain the knowledge and understand what is happening to you during perimenopause and menopause, because that gives you so much power to get the help that you need. Uh, L is learn to manage blood sugar. We, we haven't actually had time to talk about that, but that's another huge thing during perimenopause is learning to manage your blood sugar by nutrition and, and what you eat. L, uh, sorry, E, <laughs> I'm getting carried away. E is eat whole foods in a rainbow of colors. I love those. Just taking those notes. Oh, those are so great. That, I know that was quite a long list, but maybe your listener could implement just two of those things in, in a week, just going to bed 20 minutes earlier and just eating different colored vegetables, 30 different vegetable colors in a week. I love that. That's great. That is great. I like that acronym. So um, I will definitely put that in the show notes as well. So if people are like, oh, I missed some of those, I'll put that on the in the blog post so everyone can grab those um, that acronym and start to implement those this week. So thank you for sharing that, Allison. Oh, it's my pleasure, Andrea. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom with us today. It was so great to learn about perimenopause and menopause and um, chat about all the things that we can kind of prepare for, um, depending on what stage of life you're in. So thank you. Oh, it's great. It's, it's lovely. I'm very passionate about talking about this subject. So yeah, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. <laughs>